You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. SSS, CIP, and CISA sign a memorandum of cooperation. Are private sector offensive actors tailored security services, or are they just hired guns? Malek Ben Salem from Accenture on why crisis management is at the heart of ransomware resilience. Our own Dave Bittner sits down with Derek Mankey from Fortinet to discuss the World Economic Forum partnership against cybercrime. And more credential harvesting scams are out in the wild. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Trey Hester with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, July 28, 2022. In another move toward closer U.S. Ukraine cooperation in cybersecurity, Ukraine's State Service of Special Communications and Information Protection this week signed a memorandum of cooperation with its U.S. counterpart, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The memorandum doesn't initiate cooperation. Rather, it extends and expands the collaboration the two agencies have already enjoyed. CIS's announcement notes three areas in particular where the two agencies will work together on shared cybersecurity priorities. One, information exchanges, and sharing of best practices on cyber incidents. Two, critical infrastructure security technical exchanges. And three, cybersecurity training and joint exercises. The SSS CIP's deputy chairman described the memorandum's significance. Quote, This memorandum of cooperation represents an enduring partnership and alignment in defending our shared values through increased real-time information sharing across agencies and critical sectors and committed to collaboration in cultivating a resilient partnership, end quote. As The Hill observes, the focus of earlier stories on U.S.-Ukrainian cooperation in cyberspace had been on U.S. Cyber Command's unspecified activities related to Russia's war against Ukraine, acknowledged last month in some concise remarks by Cyber Command's General Nakasone during an interview with Sky News. Quote, We've conducted a series of operations across the full spectrum, offensive, defensive, and information operations. My job is to provide a series of options to the Secretary of Defense and the President. End quote. Microsoft late yesterday released a report compiled by the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center, the Microsoft Security Response Center, and RiskIQ that describes the activity of a threat group it tracks as knotweed. 
Knotweed is regarded as responsible for sub-zero malware, which it provides to or deploys on behalf of its customers. The group has also exploited Windows and Adobe Zero Days. The report explains why Microsoft views this threat actor as particularly egregious. In brief, it's a private company hiring out cyber attack services. Quote, PSOAs, which Microsoft also refers to as cyber mercenaries, sell hacking tools or services through a variety of business models. Two common models for this type of actor are access as a service and hack for hire. In access as a service, the actor sells full end-to-end hacking tools and can be used by the purchaser in operations with the PSOA not involved in any targeting or running of the operation. In hack for hire, detailed information is provided to the purchaser to the actor, who then runs the targeted operations. Based on observed attacks and news reports, MSTIC believes that Knotweed may blend these two models. They sell the sub-zero malware to third parties, but have also been observed using Knotweed-associated infrastructure in some attacks, suggesting more direct involvement. End quote. The company behind Knotweed and its sub-zero tool is Vienna-based outfit DSIRF. DSIRF's landing page displays a simple quotation, quote, a lie can run around the world before the truth has got its boots on, end quote, but without further elaboration. It's unclear whether that's a sideswipe at researchers who have characterized the company as a mercenary operation. The company describes itself as an Austria-based company with offices in Vienna and Liechtenstein, providing mission-tailored services in the fields of information research, forensics, as well as a data-driven intelligence to multinational corporations and technology, retail, energy, and the financial sectors. They stress that they offer fundamental research. Quote, Our tightly integrated team provides sophisticated intelligence products which are individually tailored to each client. End quote. Exploiting zero days would seem at the very least to be taking an expansive view of business intelligence. Microsoft explains their attribution. Quote, Multiple news reports have linked DSIRF to the development and attempted sale of a malware toolset called SubZero. MSTIC found the SubZero malware being deployed through a variety of methods, including zero-day exploits in Windows and Adobe Reader in 2021 and 2022. As part of our investigation into the utility of this malware, Microsoft's communication with SubZero victims revealed they have not commissioned any red teaming or penetration testing and confirmed it was an unauthorized malicious activity. Observed victims to date include law firms, banks, and strategic consultancies in countries such as Austria, the United Kingdom, and Panama. It's important to note that the identification of targets in a country doesn't necessarily mean that a DSIRF customer resides in the same country, as international targeting is common. End quote. In conjunction with the technical report of Knotweed, Microsoft also issued a statement, quote, continuing to fight against private sector cyber weapons, end quote, that places Knotweed and DSIRF into the context of what Redmond sees as a larger problem, the emergence of PSOAs, that is, private sector offensive actors. It views companies like DSIRF, NSO Group, and Kandaroo as threats that deserve legislative attention. The Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence of the U.S. House of Representatives held hearings on the matter yesterday. Microsoft's statement to the committee urged that the U.S. work to advance global norms that would protect human rights and privacy from the wanton use of commercially produced surveillance tools that have enabled governments around the world to exceed their technical capabilities or legal authorities. Representatives of Google and the University of Toronto's Citizen Lab testified in person and, according to Decipher, 
their testimony was at least as critical of the PSOAs as was Microsoft's written statement. And finally, this morning's security firm Avanon released a report detailing a specific attack used by cybercriminals, mimicking a landing page in order to get your credentials. Researchers report that threat actors are sending phishing emails that appear to be from the victim's organization that say that their password is due to expire and include a link to keep or update the password. The link sends the victim to a recapture form and then sends them to a perfectly mirrored login screen with their company email pre-populated in order to make it look more convincing. The attack is much like that of the phishing-as-a-service subscription group Spam Eggy, but defers in that it targets Google domains. This may signify that the activity Avanon describes is from a different group. Many of the facets of this attack, including a mirrored login screen, a pre-populated email address, and the email that appears to be from the victim's organization, makes this scam pretty convincing. But when they look more closely, wary users will see that the URL doesn't match. This sort of attack has been seen before. Vigilant users should be on the lookout. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Derek Mankey is Chief Security Strategist and VP of Global Threat Intelligence at Fortinet. They're one of the founding members of the World Economic Forum's Center for Cybersecurity, an effort that includes experts from private cybersecurity companies like Fortinet, as well as law enforcement agencies, service and platform providers, global corporations, and nonprofit alliances. An initial result of those efforts is the Atlas Project, created to better understand the cybercriminal ecosystem, how to disrupt it, and how to mitigate the negative impact of cyber attacks. Here's Derek Menke. What makes this valuable with uh, the World Economic Forum and the Center for Cybersecurity is it really 
brings all of this together, it stitches this together, if you will, under, under one hood um, to concentrate a lot of all of those good efforts that are happening out there, specifically on cybercrime, specifically on disruption, um, which, as I'm sure you're well aware from a lot of the conversations that you and I and, and other peers in the industry have had, is, is, uh, is the lion's share of activity that we see out there. Can you give us an idea of, of how it works from a practical point of view, the, the interactions you have with the World Economic Forum and the types of things that they rely on you to contribute? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we were a, a founding partner of the Center for Cybersecurity in 2019, uh, which is a, a platform with various projects underneath it, all aimed towards, um, you know, uh, further enhancing cybersecurity, specifically where we're contributing, uh, me and my team uh, from FortiGuard Labs is on the partnership against cybercrime. And so this journey really started in uh, 2020, at the beginning of 2020. And uh, we all, when I say we, uh, by the way, there's over 40 members uh, initially in the partnership against cybercrime. So it's, it's a really good, already a, a good core uh, group that we had between public and private sector. And just to give you an idea, uh, that's, if you look at the makeup of that, it's a diverse group. We were talking about law enforcement globally. We're talking about policymakers. We're talking about intelligence organizations, but we're also talking about, of course, uh, security experts on the private sector as well, too. And the way that we started this to contribute was in 2020, we started, of course, this was at the start of the pandemic. So we actually um, held a, a series of virtual workshops, uh, many of them throughout 2020, basically brainstorming, getting all these uh, you know, organizations together, thinking how, what can we do? What's our focus point? Uh, what are the recommendations if we're going to all team up together to disrupt cybercrime? And that actually led to the release of a report at the end of 2020. It's the Partnership Against Cybercrime report. There were six principles and, and recommendations that were released uh, from that report at the end of 2020. And that led us into, of course, 2021, looking at how do we actually uh, implement some of these recommendations? Where can we start and, and do a, pr a proof of concept, which is hmm. um, really what led us to the creation of Atlas. I see. So it seems to me like this really could function as, as a conduit for different organizations who in your day-to-day -day lives may be competitors with each other. This is an opportunity for you all to sort of set that aside and, and do something for the common good. Absolutely. And, and that's why I have a lot of passion. And that's what that's in this. And um, I, I'm quite excited about it. And it's exactly like you say, this is Putting, putting this all under one hood, um, making it a neutral space and an environment for uh, all of these organizations to work together. We, we've, we've proved that this can be done in the private sector with the Cyber Threat Alliance, as an example, uh, where we have mm. competitors working in the space to better, you know, to share threat intelligence. But those, those, of course, are technical indicators, right? In this case, we're talking about a broader scope, looking at, again, attribution, looking at things like crypto wallets, looking at... Um, all these different disruption points, uh, uh, not just infrastructure, but also the who's who and mapping that ecosystem. And so, yeah, it's absolutely a, a great environment. Um, it's, it's, it's been a, a great journey so far. And as I said, we're, we're just really beginning at this point. That's Derek Mankey from Fortinet.
Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Malek Ben Salem. She is the Technology Research Director for Security at Accenture. Malek, it is always great to welcome you back to the show. Uh, you know, uh, ransomware stays in the news and uh, seems as though uh, no signs of abating. Uh, I want to touch base with you today about crisis management in the face of, of ransomware uh, and your recommendations there. Yeah. Uh, so as as you know, and as you mentioned, Dave, ransomware continues to be a problem. Um, we know that year over year, uh, it has it has doubled in size. So over 107% increase year over year in ransomware and extortion attacks. Particularly in the US, 47% of ransomware attacks are actually um, are for organizations based in the United States. So this is a problem. And our research has indicated that the way we're dealing with this is Probably it can be improved, uh, just to, to say the least. So we're still dealing with ransomware as a technology or a security problem. However, I think the the right approach is to really involve the business people, potentially the board, as we as we respond to these attacks to understand what's the impact of the attack, you know, what can we do, what ransomware can be uh, paid or not, right, those decisions. But also, how do we communicate to the stakeholders? Uh, and that's key. Today, that's not that's not part of the crisis management preparation or, or a response at this point. Is this a, a situation where you'd go about it the same way that an organization would plan for, say, Something like a hurricane, a natural disaster. I think that's what's happening today is that the, the, the existing recovery strategies that are attuned to traditional business continuity plans are no longer enough, right? Hmm. We need uh, business leaders to understand um, and prepare for ransomware's implications across the whole organization. The response should be treated as a business risk but it has to prioritize the effective crisis management across the enterprise. I think that's that that will be key. So in terms of you know what to do or how can businesses improve their ransomware response, I think business preparedness is keys, knowing the moving parts that make the business profitable, uh, the critical processes, their underpinnings, the downstream dependencies across uh, every area of the organization, and what the organization's priorities are in the event of an attack 
right? Um, that's, that's key. Defining an agile communication strategy that uh, considers the complexity of the, of the attack, uh, includes not just the technical perspective, but the business perspective as well is important. And then also getting the CEO and board on board uh, with the testing and validation of attack prevention mechanisms, right? Um, hmm. Perhaps uh, even, you know, with the tabletop exercises, getting mm-hmm. those executives included in the simulations as organizations test their defenses and introduce, you know, the risk and the adrenaline of a real-life attack scenario to them uh, will be key as organizations prepare for these ransomware attacks. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, the the whole notion of, you know, trying to get people in something close to an authentic emotional state, because I, I think it's so easy to overlook that when we're sort of coldly calculating, planning out how we would respond. I think it's important to remember that people are going to be wound up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And understanding who are the key decision makers, right? And yeah. perhaps are there certain thresholds for cases where maybe technology folks can make the decision uh, versus other thresholds where you need the business to make the decision and who are those key decision makers uh, is important in the preparation process. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Malek Ben Salem, thanks so much for joining us. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Datatribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technology. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabe, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Coral Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Falecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.